FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. Welcome to this episode of FinTech Hunting. Our special guest today is Dave Sims, founder and CEO of Flowify. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, thank you so much. And it was great meeting you. I think we met in person at MBA Annual and you were speaking on a panel. Uh, and I was very impressed with your approach to really how you guys view technology and, and the people side of it. So uh, I couldn't be more pleased that you're joining us today. That was a great panel. I remember it, remember it well. And yeah, I'm, glad to, I'm excited to be here. So you have a very diverse background, Dave. You, you started in, in technology. You're a fintech veteran. And then I think one of the things that really caught my attention as you were speaking on a panel and people were introducing you, you said one of the things that inspired you to, to go and create the point of sale and to create Flowify was your own personal mortgage experience. Could you elaborate on that for our guest and kind of we'll hit the ground running from there? I sure can, and I, I think one of my advantages that I've brought to Flowify and our part in the whole mortgage tech ecosystem is seven years ago when I refinanced my house, I knew nothing about mortgages other than how to get one. And it was, you know, I was refinancing my house, and it was, it was kind of this process that while the loan officer I worked with, it was a local credit union, he was very nice and his assistant was very nice, um, but then his assistant and I kind of went into email hell for about three weeks, you know, emailing tax returns and W-2s back and forth. And of course, me being a geek, I was not going to email my tax return. So of course, I encrypted it. And that slowed down the process because when I encrypted it and emailed the encrypted file over, why the LOA could not open it. And you can kind of imagine how things sort of steamrolled from there. And that was a long time ago. That was almost seven years to the day. But that was my that was my introduction to mortgages and mortgage tech. And I just knew that there had to be a better way. And so we started working. Excellent. So when you start talking, you know, that was seven years ago, how has technology and specifically point of sale changed, morphed, evolved from seven years ago to where it is today? I think, you know, seven years ago, people were emailing files, right? And so that's something that pretty much nobody ever wants to do on, on sensitive documents. And, you know, it still goes all, happens all the time between attorneys, you know, attorneys and their clients. I was emailing today with my attorney and, you know, here goes this agreement that's being sent back and forth via email. And back then, that was the big need. And that was the big need. We needed to provide borrowers not only with a secure experience, but also a really easy to use experience. And what was available at the time was just super hard to use. And so people being people, they don't use the technology that's hard to use. They fall back on what they know, which is probably why texting, text messaging is so popular today. It's simple and everyone knows how to do it. And so that was back then the point of sale systems. That was what I call table stakes. So table stakes was you had to be able to securely request and receive 
secure documents and update your referral partners and realtors and keep every up, everyone updated in terms of the status of the loan. Now that was table stakes seven and six years ago and things have changed. You know, everyone really expects that. And now we've advanced into this area where now they're expecting new things. For example, we work a lot with disclosures. And so, for example, we will provide all the disclosures that need to be electronically signed to the borrower within that same web-based or phone-based experience that they're already used to with FlowFi, and we just make it easier and easier. But you know, six and seven years ago, none of the industry was ready to do that, but, but now we are. And so that's a really good example of what's evolved over the last six, seven years. Perfect. So, you know, as we talk about point of sale, there's been a great deal of emphasis the last three, four or five years. There's been a lot of investment money coming into, you know, improving the borrower experience. What are some of the things that you think are critical for a, a very powerful and dynamic borrower experience? It's a lot of things. First of all, ease of use. It just has to be so incredibly simple to use because we are interacting with entire slices of the United States. I mean, we have more than, I think we have about 1.1 million borrowers within our, registered in our system. And if you think about that, there's only about 330 million people in the United States. It really shows how much of the population that we touch. And so it has to be really simple, knowing that people are gonna be using their phones, their laptops, their desktops. So for sure, number one, um, ease of use. Number two, obviously security. There's not going to be anyone who says security is not important or that they don't do security well, obviously. It's so important. Um, and then, I, you know, those are kind of the fundamentals. And then something that I think is pretty cool that we've been working on lately is I like to call it embracing the Latino community. And so, as we all know, the Latino community has been underserved. And so, we've been uh, hard at work and we've recently released um, a 1003 with Spanish subtitles and that is just a really great way to reach out to those borrowers who probably are just going to be on their phone and they need a little bit of help in completing that 1003 either partially or fully and 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 it's been a, it's been a great reception so far we, we released it not too long ago and we've already gotten more requests for additional languages so it's a great start Excellent. I want to come back to the additional languages and the languages in a second, but you made the point of, you know, the two critical things were ease of use and security. And what I find so many times is those two somewhat compete with one another. I've been in organizations where, you know, I remember back 15, 20 years ago they, that our IT staff had everything so locked down, I couldn't use a, a mouse. I had to add a new mouse at a trade show and I couldn't add that to the security and to the network because they had it all locked down. How do you balance making it very, very secure and knowing that the, the data is taken care of, but then also making it a very seamless and easy process? Just like, you know, your example of you encrypted your file, sent it back to, you know, the lender and they really couldn't do anything with it. So how do you balance those two to make it a, a very dynamic experience? Michael, you're really hitting it on the head with that word balance. It really is a balance. Now, there's some things that are quote unquote non-negotiable and that's encryption. But the good news is, is all the browsers and the, the mobile browsers that run on your phones, they all encrypt by default. So the borrower doesn't need to do anything to get encryption. So that's just great. The, the general technology ecosystem has made that really simple. 
Um, there's there's other things though that you're right. It does security seemingly gets in the way of a smooth workflow sometimes. And I think the trick, the, the trick that we've done that really works for us is to give our lenders lots and lots of options. So there are some things that are non-negotiable. Encryption, for example, non-negotiable. Um, strong passwords, non-negotiable. But then where things got optional is we have lots, of, I don't know, this is a good example. We have lots of different ways that the, the kind of passwords that are entered by lenders, staff, can be, we can enforce either stricter policies or a little bit looser policies. And just that way, it allows, it puts everything under the control of the lender. They can be a little bit more strict, a little less strict. And the, we like to put things in our customer's control as much as we can um, with some baseline things being quote unquote non-negotiable. And I think that's been the, really the key to our success is just providing so many options because gosh, we have single mortgage brokers and single LOs will sign up for our platform for like 59 bucks a month. And we have very large enterprises who are six figure customers. And they, as you might imagine, demand a higher level of service when it comes to things like operations and security. Um, and so we serve both groups. And it, I think it's really helped us understand the needs of both groups. Like one group is the people who are actually getting loans done and they have like they're doing like 50 or even 100 or 200 million in loan volume each year and then uh, just making sure that both groups understand each each other well you know the operation side of the business and compliance and legal and then the loan officers and their teams are actually getting the work done and i think we've brought it together in a really nice seamless way so to really answer your question it's it all comes back to that balance and i would say optionality Okay, perfect. Now, you also had talked about you guys just started really developing tools and additional support for the Latino community. What kind of went into that thought process and how does that change? Is it the same technology? Is, is your approach different to providing those tools? Explain a little bit more, you know, what went into it and then how you guys are executing on that. So to figure out what went into it, for us, that was really easy. It was really just listening to customers. And we kept hearing over and over, we'd hear things like, hey, do you have a Spanish 1003? Do you have the 1003 or loan application in Spanish for all my Spanish borrowers? And so we'd hear this kind of thing over and over. But then we went and talked to our larger customers and they're like, we cannot disclose in Spanish. We, you know, We cannot do all these things. And so by talking to them, we kind of sort of figured out in conjunction with Fannie Mae that an approach that was okay was to provide Spanish subtitles on an English 1003. So it's still the same English 1003, but it just has Spanish subtitles. And Fannie Mae, if you Google it, you can find that 1003. Uh, Fannie Mae has a 1003 out there. You can download it. It's a PDF and it's got Spanish subtitles. So that really turned out to be the right approach. There could have been other different technology approaches that may be other websites that are not in a regulated industry, the way that all of us are. Uh, we could have gone a, a different way, but just by talking to the right people and listening, um, let us down that approach. So, you know, the way it is with loan officers and their borrowers and their realtor partners, it's all about relationships. Well, it's no different with us. Just having the relationships with our customers, branch managers, LOs, and the folks in operations and compliance, 
Um, just by talking to all of them, we were able to brainstorm a good solution and it, it's working out really well so far. Excellent. Well, one of the, the key words you just used there was relationships. And I know one thing that really, you know, I was impressed by when you were talking on the panel is yes, technology is important and technology is great in the industry, but you really emphasized how important people were and the relationships were to really be successful, whether it's a point of sale, whether it's other technology tools. Can you elaborate on what you meant by that uh, for our guest? Yeah, I can. So when I look at it, from the perspective of a, I'm a software CEO and we have this SaaS technology. And so for us, relationships isn't quite so much about something like how we're going to serve our customers, you person to person interactions. It, it's, uh, well, it's that of course, I mean, we talk to them every day, but it's also about listening their, to their needs and figuring out what to build for them, you know, every single quarter. So every single quarter, we listen and we're building new things, we're simplifying existing things, we're expanding expanding the scope of other things that we might already have. So it's those kind of relationships where our biggest and smallest customers can trust us that we're gonna listen to them and the other folks that are like them and build the things that they need to have in 2019, 2020 to keep their businesses moving forward. I think it's about building that relationship and building up the level of trust where they're going to trust us to be looking ahead for them in terms of their technology needs um, so they can continue building relationships with their referral partners and, of course, their borrowers. Well, I love how you talk about, you know, listening and building that trust in the relationship, because I think so many times in technology, people say, hey, I know better than what my client needs, so I'm just going to develop this really cool technology and they should just use it. And I, I think so many times companies make that mistake and it's very refreshing to hear you say, we listen, we want to know what those pain points are. We want to tune into the client so that we can deliver a solution that meets their needs, not just us delivering some cool technology and trying to sell it. So kudos to you guys for doing that. I, I think that uh, is a huge benefit to the industry. And Dave, as we're talking, what are some of the things out there, whether I'm an LO, whether I'm a broker, I'm a one or two person shop, or I'm doing hundreds of millions, if not billions in origination volume. In today's highly competitive, all kinds of buzzwords, noise out there in the industry, what do you think a lender should look for uh, when they're researching whether they should go to a new point of sale? What are some of the most important things that a new point of sale that can deliver the dynamic approach, build the relationships that we're talking about, deliver today? What should they look for? So that's a good question because when I first started selling FlowFi six and a half years ago, no, like point of sale was new to everybody, right? And so six and a half years later, it almost feels like everybody has one and the question becomes do they do they like what they've got do they want to switch uh, interestingly enough we still come across lots and lots of folks who still don't have one so but there's lots of folks who do have one and they're thinking about switching my personal philosophy is when you're setting that relationship with potentially a new vendor the thing that's important to me and to give you just a touch of background on, on what, who I am and what I'm about. So I'm a, I'm a former software developer. I stopped coding only about two years ago. And 
for me, what I always love to see when I use somebody else's software was what's the pace of innovation? What's the pace of new, very exciting things coming out from that software vendor? And is it coming out on a regular basis? And so we keep to that philosophy today is we like to keep coming out with exciting things because it's not necessarily about today. It's also about the next four, eight, 12 quarters you know, what else are they gonna be building? Now, I wanna emphasize, you should never overemphasize or over-index, as they say, on what a vendor may do tomorrow. I mean, like, that's also kind of the worst thing. That's like, right. way, that's like going back in the day, like Microsoft and Vaporware from 30 years ago. All they needed to do was say they were gonna build something that a competitor have, and it just froze the entire marketplace. And I still see that happening today. Um, I would probably say like not taking the vendor's word about the, what they might be coming out with later this year, next year, but just kind of look at what they have built maybe over the last 12 to 18 months and try to get that sense because the lender's businesses are going to change in 2020 and 2021, and you really need that partner who's going to change with you. Great point. Other things that they should look for in a solution, or do you have tips on what are best ways that these lenders can vet a, a new technology application, whether it is a point of sale or it's a, a different tool that they're using in their lending process? How should they best vet? What's the best way that they can really get a feel for not just the vendor and the software, but you know, is this going to meet their needs? Any suggestions on that front? Probably my suggestions would be, I mean, you, it could be a little bit dangerous if you go down the RFP route where everybody in the company gets to put in their two cents about what this new software package comes. <laughs> We've all been down that road, right? Right, I know. And so then we're shopping for something that checks off all the boxes. But do, but do people really get more productivity out of using the software? That's not going to be a checkbox in the RFP. Do they actually like the software well enough that they'll actually use it? I mean, loan officers are such independent people and most of them are, are, have their own network of referral partners that there is this natural tension between a mortgage company um, who, ha who employs those kind of LOs and the LOs themselves. There's a natural tension because the, the mortgage company wants them to be compliant and follow the appropriate rules and the LO just wants to you know, move loans. And right. so they, they meet somewhere in the middle. So I, I would probably say, don't over-index on the RFP checklist. Um, make sure that the software you know, does what you need to do in a practical way without over-indexing on impractical things. But some things are important. You know, if you need an embedded disclosure capability, then you know, shop appropriately. Ask about it um, when you're talking to your vendor. Um, so, I, for me, it's usually about moderation. I, I try to be really moderate, and I would, I would encourage everyone to do that when they're shopping for a new or POS or they're changing. Be moderate, look for something that's really going to make your life better, help you originate more, make your employees happier, make your borrowers and referral partners happier. Um, and, and sometimes that's sort of a gut feel, um, but sometimes it's a hard-nosed RFP checklist. So the, the real answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Perfect. What what do you see on the horizon for 2020? What are some of the things that you're seeing in the marketplace as it relates to technology, some of the new things will be coming out and, and what should lenders be on the lookout for uh, in 2020? 
Well, to start off with, I would definitely circle back to embracing the Latino community. I mean, it's been really long overdone. And it's, it's certainly not just me talking about it. Casey Crawford, the Movement Mortgage CEO, he was talking about it much earlier on in 2019. So the need there is real, it's, it's very real. Um, so let's not forget about that. Um, besides disclosures, you know, allowing borrowers to sign their disclosures within the POS framework that they're used to, now what we're looking in 2020, and I think a lot of people will be looking at, is hybrid e-closing. E so that's where we go one step further. And even though the borrower is going to be closing at the title office, that still doesn't mean more of that process cannot be made electronic. And borrowers just love it because the more they can do and to sign more things before they get to the, the closing table, it just makes everyone happier when you turn a 45-minute closing meeting into a 15-minute one. So that's a couple ones just off the top of my head. Excellent. David has been a treat. You have shared some incredible insights that I know will be very, very helpful for our listeners. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. So is there anything else you want to add as we wrap up this episode of FinTech Hunting? I'll just say thanks so much for having me on, Michael. It's a treat to talk to you again. It's good seeing you at MBA Annual. And I do look forward to the next time we talk. Absolutely. Dave, have a great one. Thank you so much. Take care, Michael. FinTech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow.